Hello, and welcome to episode 17, all about The Great River, chapter 9, book 2, A Fellowship of the Ring, being the 17th part of That's What I'm Talking About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. Seriously, just call me MC at this point. I'm done with it. Just, just whatever. And today <laughs> I'm joined by Ryan once again from the Sword of Star Wars podcast. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited because it's getting now to the end of Fellowship yeah, of the Ring. Yeah, we're very close. Yeah. Now, last time you had me on, I used my Kindle to read. This time, I thought I want to get actual paper book, mm-hmm. but I got this book that's the entire Lord of the Rings book all in one. Oh, so is it like so, a brick? E- yeah, it's huge, and I feel like we're close to the end of the fellowship, but we're I'm like barely anywhere in this book. <laughs> so like reading it, I'm like, oh, we got a ton of story to go, but we're really close to the end of this book. Yeah, and I guess now you're reading it as Tolkien technically originally intended it, which was as one complete book. <laughs> right, exactly. But yeah, for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm at the end of the book. I have, it was very ominous for me as I like turned the final page in this chapter. And then on the next page, it showed chapter 10, the breaking of the fellowship. And I was like, Ooh, oh my God, this yeah. is it. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those, you talked about before how Tolkien likes to spoil his own chapters with the chapter titles. Oh my God. Gosh, so much. (laughs) Because I, and we'll talk about this a little bit as we get into the chapter nine, but I 100% was like, oh, well, chapter 10 is called the breaking of the fellowship. I guess something really intense happens in chapter nine that causes the breaking of the fellowship. So like, this is a huge spoiler alert for his own book. (laughs) Uh, Like going into chapter 10, you have no idea that they're, oh, I just figured out what the breaking of the fellowship means. They're going to go to, because <laughs> the chapter nine ends with them being like, right. are we going to go to Minas Tirith or are we going to mm-hmm. go to Mordor together? And then Boromir's going to be like, I'm done. Peace out. I'm going to Minas Tirith. I'm Y'all going have to Minas fun. Tirith no matter what you say. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all have He's... fun. Oh, oh, um, listeners, the, speaking of our, our good friend Boromir. This is where I I must bring up. I learned what one of my friends said was probably one of the biggest spoilers, which is that Boromir mm. dies. Oh. And, yep. I did a Google search. It said Lord of the Rings cartoon series. And it showed a couple YouTube clips and it was like, Lord of the Rings, 1976, animated. And then the next YouTube clip was something else. And then the third one was Lord of the Rings, 1976, <laughs> Boromir's death. And I was like, uh, like it was a very slow settle. I, I tried yeah. to convince myself at first that it wasn't that big of a deal. And I was like, that's fine. I don't I don't care that I know that Boromir dies. And then the longer I, I, I sat there and thought about it, I was like, no, nope, no, this actually just just really upsets me a bit. Like I thought I thought you might even be like sort of maybe not really but kind of happy well right? see that's the other thing. you weren't a huge boromir fan <laughs> if I'm i remember still correctly not, and especially <laughs> we'll get to, we'll get to that in this chapter too but like once again the longer i sat with it i was like i mean it makes sense 
Like, of all mm. the people in the fellowship to die, aside from Gandalf, I'm like, yeah. Who could we pick? Boromir. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So. Can I say something before we get too far into this? Question for you, and it's brought, this chapter really reminded me of it because it talks about how Boromir is kind of like, um... The worst? Looking... <laughs> When also he's like, like people notice him like looking at Frodo in a certain way, or like he's talked before about using the ring, uh-huh. and it kind of brought up a question for me: How do these rings actually work as like rings of power? Because like I think about Galadriel's ring, mm-hmm. and like what does that ring? She is one of the three rings that the elves have, and what is it that gives her the power from the ring? Is she magical without the ring, or is it just the ring that gives her power? Hmm. This is a great question. Like, because elves are magical anyways, yeah, right? Yeah, I not- guess okay. with... Well, I guess... I don't know. It's hard because the only ring that we have a, like, um, first-person point of view perspective... Or what is it? It's the different types of point of view. I know there's omniscient where it's like... I don't know. Basically, our point of view in this book is... It's as if Tolkien is sitting, is standing over the shoulder of Frodo, but we're seeing Mm, and experiencing and feeling the things that Frodo feels. So the only knowledge we have is what the bad ring feels like, So, which is bad. (laughs) And (laughs) and, and we know that it does bad things. So I'm not sure what the elvish ring is like. Well, I, I guess... But they're Obvious. all made by Sauron, right? I mean, he made them all. Yeah. No? Or right? wait, okay. Let's go back to the <laughs> infamous poem. This just says, three rings for the elven kings under the sky. Is this the thing you're talking about? Seven for the dwarf, dwarf lords in their halls of stone. Nine for the mortal men doomed to die. One of the dark lord on his dark throne in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. Let's see. Okay. The enemy still lacks one thing to give him strength and knowledge to beat down all resistance, break the... But he lacks the one ring. The three fairest of all, the elf lords hid from him and his hand never touched them or sullied them. Okay. All we have to do... Let's see. His hand never touched the elves. Yeah. Un- so, unlike the nine mortals who got the rings and yeah because those are the what yeah those are the ones them. that t- yeah that turned them into like ring what wreath. yeah but what was the power in it like how did it turn them bad did it just give them a lust for power well i think it's because he because it says that he never touched the elvish rings and it said never touched them or sullied them so the fact that it says nine he gave to mortal men proud and great so first of all the men were proud and great to begin with so it was kind of like having the beginnings of being easily manipulated oops i hit my microphone it's fine i'm a professional um i'm a professional who turned my microphone in the correct direction only recently um he what was i saying yeah they the men from the beginning before they even got the rings already had this potential to become bad and and manipulated and i guess the fact it says he gave them the ring so he that implies that he so he never touched or sullied the elvish rings but if he had touched the nine rings that means he did sully them anyway yeah he so i i'm assuming that the elvish rings are not I'm assuming they're okay because we see Galadriel wearing the ring. So if it was right. bad, she wouldn't have been wearing it and showing it off. Uh, I yeah, something, guess... Something about those that Sauron cannot sense when they are being worn, I guess. Yeah. And I think it's just because the one ring is 
the one ring with the greatest power that he has, I guess, the strongest connection to. Um, So he can, I guess, feel it more. And the Elvish rings were, I guess, forged with like pure, beautiful magic that the elves have. (laughs) And I don't know. And the the other thing that I'm thinking about too is that in the chapters when we're in Lothlorien, we get a lot of descriptions about how Galadriel seems very she it looks like she's doing something very powerful or she has this like air around her that's like I am the greatest elf here but you aren't gonna know about that because I am also a humble elf so I guess her like extra power I'm specifically thinking of when she looks at the at the fellowship and she like stares into the depth. She looks them each in the eyes for when they first get there to kind of mind read them to see what their true intents are, to see if they're going to stick with this to the end. And I guess that extra power comes from the ring that she's wearing. Because it also the elves also do say that, yes, we understand that this is a lose-lose situation for us. If you destroy the ring, our rings will lose all power. If he gets the ring, then he will take power over us so anyway to answer that was a very long-winded like non-answer of (laughs) what exactly like do these rings do well the other thing is that i guess so i'm imagining that the one ring is kind of like a horcrux like how in the seventh in deathly hallows when they have the locket horcrux when they're wearing it they feel the effects of it in Mm, a really negative way and they can feel it kind of eating on their soul and just making them the worst versions of themselves And I guess it's kind of the same thing with the ring and the way. Ooh, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, actually, write this thought down. So then when we come to it, I will bring it up again. Okay, cool. But yeah, that was such a long winded answer of like, I don't know exactly what the rings do. I think the elvish rings are good. And the one ring is bad. Uh, I mean, I've been I feel like I asked a lot of these similar questions when I was doing the episode on chapter two, like in the in book one, mm-hmm. of like what exact like where exactly did these rings come from? Who made them? What do they do? And I think I was told that either this is like Silmarillion stuff that gets covered there, or this is stuff that just gets touched on later, or it's just stuff that we never learn. So uh, yeah, there um, there are no answers currently. <laughs> the uh, s- since we're talking about elves a little bit i know your white whale is trying to figure out how the elves age yes so so in preparation (laughs) i thought i would do some basic internet search to see what i could find out about this to try and help you out so this is what i found on uh, tolkiengateway.net apparently in the first year elves can learn to walk talk and dance they mature much faster mentally than physically and when they're about 20 years old they look to be about seven years old physically but they still have the mental capacity Mm -hmm. or whatever maturity of a uh, 20 year old 20 year old and then their puberty is at 50 so kind of late bloomers there and then uh at 100 years old is when they're fully grown and they don't age after that okay 
So they just age super slowly until they get to the age of 100, and then they just stop aging. Yeah. Okay. Like, I think 100 would look like a 35-year-old. <laughs> okay. And then they say the only way that they can, like, age after that is in cases of extreme stress or sorrow. And Ooh. they use an example of someone who I didn't know, but they say that he physically looked older because of the amount of stress that he was carrying made him look older. Also, I was curious how they die if they don't die you know, mm-hmm. in a battle or something. Apparently, they just choose when they want to like leave this oh, world lit. and go on to the next <laughs> one. <laughs> so they're just like, ah, nine hundred years. I guess that's enough. I'll just go on to uh, Valinor. I don't know where that is or what that is, but it's where they go to after this world. So nice, as far as I could tell. So this is all very helpful, and I appreciate <laughs> this so much because. As demonstrated by the fact that I was literally Google searching where to find the cartoon version of Lord of the Rings, and I found out that Boromir died. I literally cannot Google anything relating to this series. So thank you for for being my, like, spoiler (laughs) buffer. You just need somebody else to do your your Googling for you. That way they can fill out all the... Oh, actually, well, Tyler and Ethan were asking me, oh, is there anything that like any kind of equipment that you need or do you need to upgrade anything? <laughs> and I did comment. I was like, well, actually, turning my microphone in the dire- in the correct direction made a huge difference. But now yeah. that I'm thinking about it, an assistant to Google things mm. for me would be yes. great. So <laughs> that's in the Bacon and Eggs Network budget. I'd appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> so chapter nine, The Great River. Basically, they go down a river, Gollum is following them, they meet some rapids, there are some orcs, the end. Like, nothing happens in this chapter. I literally wrote, I wrote, felt like this chapter could have been two sentences long. As they left Florian, they made their way down the Great River... And Gollum followed them. Yeah, that's it. Perfect. End of chapter. There you go. Like they they had some run-ins with a couple orcs. Yeah, there was there was so many times that I thought, oh, this is gonna get exciting, but then it's just like, yeah. oh, nope, not quite. I was, yeah, and it's like I was saying earlier, I was so excited to read this chapter because I was like, oh man, Shire is gonna go down, and then nothing happened. Nope. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and then also now that I've finally made the connection that the breaking of the fellowship means that they're probably gonna split in their separate directions that also means that chapter 10 probably isn't going to be that exciting either and i am very disappointed by this because i was like oh my gosh there's going to be some huge drama they're going to break up it's going to be like the beatles who's going to be yoko (laughs) it's been so long since i've read them that i can't separate like the two towers and the end of the fellowship in my mind so i don't want to say what i think happens in the next chapter so i'll just keep my mouth shut there so and also i have seen the first movie and i remember that the first movie ends with like Merry and Pippin being taken off, I think, by some p- enemy of some kind. And then, sorry, the heck. I'm sorry. I'm looking out my window. I swear to God, I just saw red beady eyes staring at me. <laughs> what? Was it in the shape uh, of a log? 
old. That's old. That's extra creepy. Okay, now I'm really creeped out. I also live on the third floor of an apartment, so there's no way oh, anyone geez. could be it's, uh, standing outside. The- I swear Slenderman. I saw something. Slenderman's oh. outside the window. Oh my god, no. Also, I'm alone tonight because my roommate oh, is working nights tonight. So, <laughs> anywho, what was I saying? So I know that the movie ends with like Frodo's trying to run off and do this on his own, and then Sam is like, "Wait for me," and then they go off together. And one of my friends, I was. We were talking about whether or not I was going to, she was asking me if I was going to be reading the books, all of the books, and then do all the movies, or if I would do the book and then do the movie. And I was originally like, you know, that would make sense because then the book would be really fresh in my mind. Then she said, actually, wait, I wouldn't do that because the end of Fellowship, the movie, actually kind of goes into what the beginning of Two Towers is. Yeah, and I'm also, I don't know like how exactly I'm going to cover the movies on the podcast because (laughs) I don't know how, like, I don't think it's going to be very good content for me to be like, they left this line out. They kept this line in. Isn't that great? Like, wow, they really nailed the physical description of Gandalf. That was awesome. And I also, I don't want to rag on the movie. Let's do it. Let's rag on the movie. (laughs) On Peter Jackson. Why couldn't you create a 400 page book in a movie edition better? I know. Well, I will be excited to see like, so these movies came out in 2001. Do these movies still hold up Uh -uh. 18 years later? (laughs) Are the, like the Balrog or whatever it was that kills Gandalf, like that's got to be some huge CGI thing at least. Or maybe it's Benedict Cumberbatch in a mocap suit. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) One or the other. (laughs) Oh, that's my new theory. Every CGI character is just Benedict Cumberbatch in a mocap suit. (laughs) Also, from what I understand, he did not have to do that. Like, he... I think chose yeah ask them like so what are you gonna do and I think he like proposed this idea of what if I do with like a a movement piece for you guys to to base the animation on and it went yeah. from there it's so like you, I, I'm sure you have just watched the YouTube videos of just like him like crawling around on like a green yes. floor and background and, and his facial it. contortions are ridiculous I'm like he knows he's not actually a dragon right okay oh my <laughs> God, it's literally but. just his voice, and I'm like, uh, that's it. That's the man I want to marry. <laughs> but it cover much in the mocap suit. Oh, specifically in the mocap suit. Yeah, the mo- not just Benedict Cumberbatch. It's just him doing his voice, <laughs> doing the smog voice. Oh my gosh! At your wedding, he's gonna have a veil and remove it, and it's his mocap suit underneath. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, it does have the word suit in it. So yeah. I think that works. You know, it's like, yeah, wear your best suit for the wedding. Oh my gosh. So what happens in this chapter? <laughs> I don't think anything. <laughs> so man, 30 minutes in, we're talking about what finally what happens in this chapter. So they're going down the Great River and basically they're going by the plan of long travel days and mm-hmm. they will get up early and just go down the river. Sometimes they paddle. Sometimes they just let the current take them. And then they go into the night as long as they can. And they stop on the banks and rest and then get up in the morning and do it again. And yeah. <laughs> it's like that for a, a couple days. At one point, they start going through this land that clearly has been like something happened here 
And mm-hmm. what it is ain't exactly clear. And there's a man <laughs> with a gun over there. With a gun over there. What's he tell you? I'm saying, stop, baby. <laughs> anyway. Uh. But yeah, Frodo's saying like, something happened here, but I don't even want to imagine it because I had to have been bad because it looks desolate. And um, I think they don't really say what happened, but I'm pretty sure someone came in and they chopped down all the trees and took all the truffula, what are they, truffula trees, and put all <laughs> them and made them into a, what's that thing called? It's the, the um, oh God, what are they called? <laughs> the barbaloot. No, those are the, the, the bears. Man, the bar- the or no. Oh, Thneed. That's what Thneed. it is. T-H- yeah. Thneed. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they oh. came in. Someone made a bunch of Thneeds. And yeah. Uh, yeah, they just. Well, and honestly, if you've ever seen, if you've ever read the Lorax or seen any of the movies, the Danny DeVito version is mm. my preferred medium oh, of yeah, the Lorax. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, how it looks at the end with it being like smog and desolate wasteland, I'm assuming is not that different. From, well, actually, so what I'm imagining is because Frodo says like off to the west, it looked beautiful and off to the <laughs> east. So they're literally just like going down the river and like one side is black. It's scorched. There are no trees. The sky is cloudy and smoggy. And then you look over on the other side of the river and it's like trees, butterflies, ponies <laughs> are pretty prancing around in the pasture yeah exactly so bill the ponies over there prancing around oh bill i hope he's living his best life oh man i've not thought about bill the pony in a minute it's been a minute i hope he's doing okay bill the pony (laughs) i hope he's doing i i hope he's living his best life i i mean just but anyway so this is this is just kind of a reminder and a sign that they are getting closer to the danger where they're now saying physical signs of the evil touching the land let's see and then there's something about black swans flying and swimming nearby and i was like well black swans have to be some kind of ominous symbolism yeah it's like but um yeah but at the time i was almost falling asleep because i was so tired (laughs) so we're gonna google search this now black swan symbolism because my i think my reasoning at the time was like well i mean just based on my knowledge of the film black swan I'm assuming it's not good. <laughs> Wait, what? It says the- symbolizes the protective power of romance, the joy and freedom felt in helping others as well as equality. What? Oh, wait. Okay. No, here I we go. I look up Black Swan, an unpredictable or unforeseen event, typically one with extreme consequences. Ooh. Okay. Well, there yeah. we go. Let's see. In an Aboriginal folklore, there's a story of a group of women who are the only people who know the secret to making boomerangs. <laughs> they refuse to share the secret. So a band of men decide to steal the boomerangs from them. Two of the men turn to white swans and land on a nearby lake. The women rush to the shore to view the beautiful birds and the rest of the men slip into the camp to attain the goods. Discovering they have been duped, the women grow furious and chase the swans off the lake. The swans go to a neighboring lake where a pair of eagles live what the oh just like in the book when that doesn't that does isn't there some huge eagle that joins the black swans oh 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. Later in the chapter, they make note that an eagle, a huge eagle is flying ahead. And, and basically, it was either Aragorn or Frodo or someone was like, well, that can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Tolkien was a fan of Australian folklore, we just learned. So a flock of crows wanting to spite their enemies, the eagles, offer their black feathers for the swans' new coats and the swans are saved. Meanwhile, the women continue on bickering for eternity over who's to blame for the incident. Well, that sounds sexist. <laughs> Eternity. <laughs> Literally bickering for eternity over who's to blame for the incident. What? <laughs> also, what happened to the boomerangs? I'm invested yeah. now. <laughs> it was like a toy boomerangs? that like the girls had and the boys wanted. You know, they like saw them playing with this toy. All they had all the boys had was like sticks that don't come back. They like, don't we come, want they sticks just, to come back. <laughs> they've just been throwing <laughs> sticks around waiting for them. What on earth? This is listeners, this is from wildgratitude.com slash swan hyphen symbolism so Mm. there you go (laughs) oh that's a great story anyway (laughs) where is oh so they're basically also just kind of everyone's just sitting in their boats kind of just quietly thinking to themselves because no one is talking i guess i don't know if they've made the decision collectively that they don't want to (laughs) talk to be quiet um if if that's like a strategy plan or I think if they, I think Boromir was probably kept talking about how they should use the ring, and people just like kept shushing him. <laughs> and like, Maybe we like, hey, could. <laughs> let's play the quiet game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boromir would be the Boromir was the equivalent of me as a child whenever playing the quiet game to be to sit there for five seconds and be like. I lose. <laughs> Darn. Anyway, back yeah, to... This seems like the part where they would sing songs normally, you know? Ooh. So I guess that's a sign of the times that like... Yeah. It's, e- it's so grim that they're not even singing. Wow. Yeah. They're all just sitting silently thinking... Because the other thing is they're not always... They're not always even paddling the boats because the current is just carrying them. So for the majority of these traveling days, they're just sitting there thinking quietly to themselves, which is... My nightmare. <laughs> and it says, The heart of Legolas was running under the stars of a summer night in some northern glade amid the beech woods. And I don't know why, but in the, I, this just statement just made me realize that I am always just imagining Lush, uh, oh my God, wait, that's it. Oh my God, Freudian slip if I ever. Okay, <laughs> this is going to be the most obscure reference. And mm-hmm. some people listening will be like, yeah, I totally understand. So in my head, whenever they're talking about Legolas, I'm always imagining him just like prancing around. <laughs> and I almost just now said Lucius because in a very Potter sequel, the musical sequel to a very Potter musical, they have Lucius. His character is that he's always dancing around <laughs> and he's just like doing these really dramatic entrances and is always like doing spins and pirouettes. <laughs> and he has this awful long blonde wig. Mm. And that's exactly what I'm imagining <laughs> of Legolas yeah. is him just prancing around doing whatever he pleases. Yeah. Anyway, so then it says after this, Mary and Pippin in the middle boat were ill at ease for Boromir sat muttering to himself, sometimes biting his nails, as if some restlessness or doubt consumed him, sometimes seizing a paddle and driving the boat close behind Aragorn's. So this is what earlier when we were talking, I was like, oh, I'm going to write this down so we can talk about it when we get there. Kind of how I was talking how the ring reminds me of the Horcrux and Deathly Hallows. 
This part where Aragorn is in the boat, like muttering to himself, and like every now and then he'll paddle up really close, so he's right next to Aragorn's Boromir. boat. Yeah, yeah, I mean Boromir. I don't know who I said. There's ten of them. <laughs> There's a lot of characters in these books. <laughs> I just called Legolas Lucius. It's fine. <laughs> we all get it. Yeah. Anyway, talking about how he's sitting there, like muttering to himself, reminds me of in Deathly Hallows movie. When they're, there's, it's like a montage showing the trio camping and walking around mm-hmm. and taking turns wearing the Horcrux. And there's this one scene where Harry and Hermione stop for a second and Hermione gives Harry a water bottle and Ron is a couple feet behind them and he's like just glaring at them. Yeah. And he has this dark look on his... It's kind of what I'm imagining is Boromir's just given Aragorn's boat dirty looks and he's like, <laughs> he's the like, leader of this fellowship, we'd be doing things different. I'd be wearing my gold belt and minus Tirith right now. And Merry and Pippin are just sitting there like, okay, what are we going to do about this? <laughs> what a fun boat ride. Seriously, they really struck out on that fine. one. I, I literally... I called it in the previous episode when it mentioned that Boromir, Mary, and Pippin were the next group in the boat. I was like, oh, that's definitely the boat to watch. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's the one we're going to have to keep a close eye on. Yeah. And then I also like this note at the end of this section. They're talking about how every now and then they'll uh, want to move faster down the river so they'll start paddling. And it says... Even when the paddles were in use, they did not trust Sam with one. <laughs> so I like that they won't let Sam paddle. That's just classic, what? like, just one-liner digs. I must have missed Tolkien. that. Why aren't they letting Sam paddle? He hates water or I something? Think is that it? It's because Sam is just a total wimp and he's still <laughs> annoying, but everyone wants me to love him, so whatever. Um, I guess. No, he... Sam is just, like, the epitome of what a hobbit is, where he's, mm. like, everything is terrifying. Everything is new. This is not natural. Hobbits don't like water. As we learned in one of the earlier chapters, that there is one family, I think it was the Brandybucks maybe, who do live near the water and are more acclimated to the water because they use boats. And the other hobbits Mm. are like, no, those are the queer folk (laughs) because they (laughs) use boats and they know how to navigate the water and they know how to swim. So Sam is not one of these hobbits. So it says he was cramped and miserable, having nothing to do but stare at the winter lands crawling by and the gray water on either side of him. So he's just not having a great time. I mean, no one is, but especially Sam. But it's those, it's just once again, like those classic quick little one liners that really do a lot to add character or remind you of something about a certain character i just really yeah like if he wouldn't have mentioned this i would have almost forgot that sam was even there (laughs) i mean he does have that quality about him (laughs) as he i guess as sam since he can't paddle the boat and all he can do is sit there and stare and look around he notices that there is a log behind him and he imagines once or twice that he sees a pair of eyes on the log and he's like that's not right whatever and then later that night he brings it up to frodo and says just then i saw the eyes two pale sort of points shiny like on a hump at the near end
kind of the log. What's more, it wasn't a log, for it had paddle feet, almost a swan's, only they seemed bigger and kept dipping in and out of the water. So it's at this point that I'm like, okay, obviously this is Gollum, as I've been <laughs> calling this entire second half of the book. Whenever they mention eyes glowing in the dark i'm like it's Gollum. it's gotta be and then the next page frodo's like yes i i thought i saw that too and my fears are that it's Gollum. and this is the first time that they say out loud yes i think that's Gollum." and i was yeah. like i knew it it's gotta be him <laughs> tolkien's just like been teasing us this whole time with Gollum. it's just like this constant like we think there's something back there but it's like never confirmed and finally in this chapter okay yes it is actually Gollum. Gollum, yeah and later they bring it up to aragorn they're like hey just an fyi i'd be on the lookout for a log with eyes we think Gollum <laughs> is following us and aragorn's like oh yeah i know he's been following us since moria and i'm like aragorn why would you not say anything about this <laughs> <laughs> have has everyone in the fellowship known all along have they known think... the entire time that Gollum has been following them and no one is just saying anything about this They're, it's the Gollum in the room so to speak like no one wants to it's uh... like yeah it's like you, he probably didn't want Frodo and Sam freaking out just like they did in this chapter where like they couldn't sleep and they had to like stay up and watch each other because they were afraid they were going to get strangled or something in their sleep yeah everyone's like okay I guess it's now, I guess, shared with the whole group that Gollum is following them because they decide to move faster the next day to try and lose track of Gollum. And they just spend the whole day paddling. And this is when they see later as the sun was setting and the company was stirring and getting ready to start again. He, oh, okay. So I guess this is the next morning after they rested. Let's see. He, that's not a word. Describe? Descrit. D e s c r i e d. Maybe it's something. A, maybe it's it a, looks uh, like, typo. Is that a type? Because it. Oh, it does. I don't just. Dis- I'm trying to see what mine says here. What is that? That's not a. Describe. Google search. See, this is what I need an assistant for. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, Describe means to catch sight of. So mm. there you go, Tolkien. How dare you use words? <laughs> so something I thought of, again, reading Tolkien was he uses words like that and other words, like crazy words I've never heard of before, but usually can figure out the meaning from the context. But like if I was mm-hmm. writing a story, what I would do, what I have done is just like, write a paragraph and they're like okay i need to make this more interesting and you highlight a word and like search the thesaurus yep. or whatever for like another <laughs> yep. word similar to it but tolkien didn't have that how did he just know these words he his brain his insane <laughs> brain like so one of my friends and also previous guest neil metcalf was texting me some similar stuff about what you were talking about with the elves the way you described it You put it much more succinctly than Neil did because Neil loves Lord of the Rings. (laughs) He loves the history. So he was going into great detail about like the elves and how they're created and like paragraph long texts about all this. And I like my only response. It was like Tolkien was 
that shire insane <laughs> yeah. like and neil said yeah he he was a suffering world war one veteran and it's just yeah madness. i feel like if you met him in person you like wouldn't be able to communicate or socialize normally with him because his mind is obviously way far away from anything close to reality like the amount mm-hmm. of time and like stuff that he puts into this story is absolutely ridiculous with the history yeah. and um like as a star wars fan i appreciate all the like star wars stuff going way back and i spend way too much time on wikipedia and wikipedia and uh it's just like <laughs> i'm amazed at all this but then you get into lord of the rings and it's just like boundless even more than what star wars ever was and this all came from one man you know what i mean it's like ridiculous yeah man poor tolkien anyway all that being said legolas spots an eagle in the sky <laughs> and is like that's probably not good because the eagles are not supposed to be in this part of the land and and then Aragorn just says ominously, we will not start until it is fully dark. And then, or wait, no, is this one? <laughs> We're starting to get into the territory, territory that Aragorn doesn't know. Yes, yeah. Aragorn says, once we move forward from here, we're in unknown land to me, essentially. So once again, just like another, just kind of just like piling on things of like, well, that's not good. So (laughs) and then they, oh, yeah, because then this is where they start going down the river and they realize that they're heading towards the rapids. So they have to, and it's nighttime and there's no way, they said it, it would be hard enough for us to do the rapids in the daytime it's nighttime. Let's turn around. So they turn around and start heading back. And this is when I was like, oh, this is the action that's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Basically, so they have the rapids on one side of them. And then on the other side, orcs start coming to get them. And or I guess they're on the land. I don't know. They're they're firing arrows at them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. They're, it's like stuck between a rock and a hard place, stuck between rapids and orcs. Like... Mm-hmm. This is great. And then ugh, Legolas just has to come in with his cool new magic bow from Lothlorien. <laughs> what was that and noise he, he just like, made? Uh, I might have cleared my throat. I, think, I might no, have I, think, ugh. I think you went ugh, which I think is that exactly how you say orc in Elvish, judging by <laughs> <laughs> judging by my book here. Oh, yeah. Y-R-C-H-Y-R-C-H-Y-R-C-H-Y-R-C-H-Y-R-C-H-Y-R-C-H-Y-R-C-H-Y-R-C-H-Y-R-C-H-Y-R-C-H-Y-R-C-H-
do they even i don't know if they even see the orcs they're just like seeing arrows and legolas yells orc yeah and yeah because it's so dark they probably can't even see them yeah. so i guess i don't know maybe legolas saw them or something but it's a, anyway it says suddenly the great bow of lorian sang shrill went to the arrow from the elven string frodo looked up almost above him the winged shape swerved there was a harsh croaking scream as if it fell out of the air vanishing down into the gloom of the eastern shore the sky was clean so the single arrow from legolas saves them all so i hope we got more of those <laughs> i think legolas got super lucky here because i made a note of this that it says elbereth galithaniel side legolas as he looked up even as he did so a dark shape like a cloud and yet it not a cloud for it moved far more swiftly came out of the blackness and this is after he shot the arrow, isn't it? Wait, no, this is... Oh, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. It says suddenly the great bow of Lorien sang. Yeah. So I guess he was preparing to to shoot the arrow and yeah, then this... And then he saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...figure right. um, shows up and is... Let's see. It says like a cloud and yet not a cloud. So I'm assuming that's not an orc. Because I'm assuming if it was an orc, they would have been like, an orc came for them. <laughs> I think he, I still think he got lucky because he just shot into the cloud, but not a cloud. Oh, yeah. And, and it fell from the sky. So that's... Maybe the magic words were like, Galadriel, guide my arrow for our protection or something. And then Galadriel's magic or something. Or the magic that was... Because I think um, the bow, it said, was made from the wood of like the trees in in Lothlorien or maybe the Mm -hmm. hair of it. Yeah, there was... It was strung by elvish hair, I think. Yeah, something something to do with hair, which (laughs) just sounds creepy. Yeah. So I guess it's... Yeah, I'm sure it just has like some remnants of magic from Lothlorien in it that make it a much better bow than any other bow. So, yeah. well, which is good for them because Legolas saves the day. And then this is when they are deciding what to do because the rapids are there. And they say, okay, tomorrow some of us will go and look for a way. And then they start talking about oh, how yeah. long they were in Lorien for. And I just love <laughs> how they have no idea, like they have no idea how long it was. They were noting that, oh, we're, we have a, when we were in Lorien, when we were in there, we were just getting a new moon, something with the moon and it wasn't aligning right. And then Legolas explains sort of for the elves the world moves and it moves both very swift and very slow swift because they themselves change little and all else fleets by it is a grief to them slow because they need not count the running years not for themselves the passing seasons are but ripples ever repeated in the long long stream yet beneath the sun all things must wear to an end at last so i just appreciated this because i was like okay great this is some you know explanation Mm. of how the elves experience time which is a very now that i'm thinking about it a very elfish answer which is a non-answer of like well it (laughs) it moves slowly and fastly and it's like thanks Legolas. but point being that the elves do not experience time the way that the humans or the hobbits or whoever else experiences time and then frodo is like rich are the hours the short they seem in caros galifon where galadriel wields the elven ring 
And then Aragorn goes, that should not have been said outside Lorien, not even to me. Speak no more of it. So we'll play the quiet game again. Yeah. Aragorn's just like, oh my God, you cannot keep a secret. <laughs> like Galadriel has one of the most powerful rings. Let's let's not shout it into the universe. Like Yeah, there were literally orcs just here. Just like there. five seconds They're ago. They're like on their way to Mordor, there have been all these <laughs> ominous signs that, you know, Sauron or evil in general has been near here. Let's just shut up about the rings for a hot sec. Oh, Frodo. <clears throat> then, oh, so they wake up the next morning and it's foggy and they're like, we're not going to be able to navigate the rapids in this fog. Let's figure out what to do. And this is just kind of the ongoing conversation that hasn't really been addressed since the previous chapter of what they're going to do or where they're going to go. And Boromir is saying, well, if we go this way, we'll end up very conveniently entering my land. <laughs> and Aragorn's like, well, yeah, we can do that if we're going for Menas Tirith, but we're not doing that, right, Boromir? <laughs> and Boromir's like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I guess we'll wait and see. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Boromir's just... He just won't let it go. It's, yeah, and it's just kind of... It's There's a lot of small hints in this chapter that clearly he's becoming, I don't know if resentful, I don't think resentful is the right word, but my impression is that he doesn't like how Aragorn is leading the group because he wants the group to go to Menas Tirith and Aragorn is most likely not going to do that. And so that kind of goes back to when he was like staring. Yeah in the boat muttering to himself and then he would like quickly paddle up and try and catch up to Aragorn. <laughs> what was he going to do when he paddled up? He like, like I don't quick, know. I'm going to sneak up behind him. Like, what are you going to do? I guess that's just his way of like proving himself. Like, see, I can be a leader too. <laughs> he just like paddles like barely in front of Aragorn's boat. <laughs> He's like, I I'm in, I'm in first place. So I'm the leader now. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's a lot of like Boromir thinking he knows what's best. And again, it's the, yeah. the pride and the, the arrogance of the of man mankind to think that we are mm. going to be able to take this ring and use it and he really wants to take it to his homeland and use the ring when aragorn knows it needs to go to mordor but he doesn't know how to best take it there and aragorn's like sole purpose i think is to protect frodo mm -hmm. as frodo needs to go to mordor whereas boromir is like no let's take it from frodo and we can someone else can use it better or do something with it better than Frodo, where Aragorn's like, no, Frodo is keeping the ring. We just got to figure out yeah. how we're going to get him to where it needs to be destroyed. And that was kind of the thing that Aragorn was grappling with in the previous chapter when Celeborn is like, so what? what's happening? What's the plan? Where are you going? Because up until Gandalf died, Aragorn was pretty sure that he was going to return to um, like take his rightful place oh. at his throne or, or whatever. Or it was like he was going to go with Boromir to Minas Tirith or something. But now that Gandalf is dead, he couldn't imagine leaving the hobbits to Mordor by themselves. So yeah. obviously he's going to go with them to Mordor and kind of grappling with this idea that whatever, you know, prophecy or or what's the word? fate is awaiting him and his legacy, it's just going to have to hold on a little bit longer or not at all cuz he might die. Yeah. Who knows? 
Boromir dies, but I don't know about Aragorn. Anyway, so they, Aragorn and Legolas. Legolas, the next morning, go ahead. Yeah, so they go ahead and find a path for them to take the boats around the rapids, basically. And they come back and Aragorn's like, okay, we're going to go this way. Boromir basically says like, no, that's not a good way to go. If you go forward, peril will grow with every mile, even if you find a path. Peril lies ahead on every southward road, <laughs> answered Aragorn. So Boromir's like, that's not a good way to go. It's pretty dangerous. And Aragorn's like, we're literally on the way to Mordor. Everything is dangerous right now. Yeah, like, like Boromir, do you even know the point of this trip? <laughs> like everything, we're, we could all die around every single corner, especially you, Boromir. Who knows? Any second now, it could happen to anyone one of us at any second yeah <laughs> <Boromir. coughs> and so they pick up the boats and they take this path and Gimli says basically like well I'm not going to be of much help because I have tiny legs and I'm not going to be able to carry the boat so y'all have fun I'll just walk and after they carry the boats and their bags and stuff and they get there they stop <laughs> They stop and Boromir notes that everyone's exhausted and tired. And he says, we are all too tired, except no doubt our sturdy dwarf. (laughs) And I, it was at this point that I'm like, okay, Boromir, I get why you die. Like, (laughs) like I get every now and then I'll just remember like, oh my God, I can't believe I learned that Boromir dies. (laughs) That's such a bummer. Oh man, I feel so bad. And like all the mean things I've said about him. I feel so bad for how I've treated him. Maybe I should change my... No. No. <laughs> He's annoying me so much well, in this chapter. I, I wrote down a quote from him before they were they were talking about carrying the boats, this portage or whatever they called it, and they're discussing, should we do it or not? And Boromir literally says, that would not be easy even if we all were men. It's like, it's like there's only two men, right? He's just like... You're surrounded by people who aren't agreeing with you. Like, you might want to, like, be a little cautious of how you talk because someone might just push you in front of an arrow or something. So, it's <laughs> it's like he said, even if Legolas we were all men, like, it would be hard. And I'm traveling with children like, and dwarves. You know, it's just... Oops. My arrow. <laughs> the wind blew it that way. Weird. Accidentally pushed you into the uh, river. Sorry, Boromir. <laughs> so weird. Then they get back in the river and they... See, I I wasn't sure. I'm assuming it means in the distance or they will soon be there and they're approaching it. But they are approaching Argonoth. Behold the Argonoth, the pillars of the kings, cried Aragorn. We shall pass them soon. So I guess they are approaching it. It's these two giant statues that I've seen a dozen interpretations of in fan art or pictures of or just stuff like that. So I'm like, oh, that's what this thing is. Great. <laughs> so it's these two... It's two giant statues singing stop in the yeah, name of love like... is what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're bu- yeah, they're holding out their hands, I think is what it's described. The left hand of each was raised, palm outwards, and a gesturing of warning. In each right hand, there was an axe upon each head there was a crumbling helm and crown yeah so they're holding out their hands stop in the name of love um (laughs) and then aragorn gives this very like i don't know if it's ominous i don't know if epic is the right word but he says fear not said a strange voice behind him frodo turned and saw strider and yet not strider for the weather-worn ranger was no longer there 
In the stern sat Aragorn, son of Arathorn, proud and erect, guiding the boat with skillful strokes. His hood was cast back, and his dark hair was blo- I liked this detail. His dark hair was blowing in the wind. <laughs> a light was in his eyes. A king returning from exile to his own land. Fear not, he said. Long have I desired to look upon the likenesses of Isildur and... Anarion, no one come for me if I said that wrong, my sires of old. Under the shadow, Elisar, the Elfstone, son of Arathorn. This is just also a lot of names. (laughs) (laughs) Under their shadow, Elsar, the Elfstone, son of Arathorn, of the house of Valendil, Isildur's son. Heir of Elendil has not to dread. (laughs) So many names. (laughs) He could have just said fear one, not. Like two, why? Like three, seriously. four, four names yeah. in one sentence. So th- uh, eh, hmm. I'm confused. Well, th- um, it's interesting that he calls him Strider in this. It's the only time in this entire chapter. And I think yeah. previous chapters, when's the last time they called him Strider? It's been a while. I know. I think, I think probably since the Council of Elrond, because yeah. that's when it's the big like quote-unquote reveal that's not really a reveal that Strider is Aragorn, son of Arathorn, and, you know, fated to return to the throne. Heir to the throne of Gondor. Yeah, yes. So, yeah, he hasn't been called. And I remember when he was introduced, it's noted that his real name is Aragorn, but Frodo continues calling him Strider for a long time. So I was like, I wonder when they're going to start calling him Aragorn and whether or not that's going to be like a big thing to notice or something uh, like a note of importance of like when they switch from calling him Strider to Aragorn. But here it's definitely, a, it's it has a, it carries a lot of meaning behind it because Strider is the grizzled ranger who is, you know, going around not using his real name, his esteemed name, Aragorn, son of Arathorn. Strider has no connection to Gondor or anything like that. So for Frodo to suddenly realize like, oh, wow, this is a king returning to his throne. Yeah. And and also seeing, seeing that in Aragorn, seeing him be proud to be returning so it's like that part in like all the like teen romantic comedies where like the girl takes off her glasses and takes out her ponytail and <laughs> oh she's been beautiful the whole time that's, you know what i mean it's like that's exactly what yeah aragorn has just been wearing his hood the whole time and then he takes his hood like, off and frodo's like oh my god he's been hot <laughs> He definitely like took a picture uh, and posted it on Instagram. Hashtag Man Crush Monday. <laughs> Felt cute. Might delete later. <laughs> might delete later. <laughs> Feeling royal. Might delete later. <laughs> Gosh, what were we talking about? Oh yeah. So my confusion is: so where is this famed throne that that Aragorn will be returning to? Because Air, the way that Aragorn meets or looks at these statues is like, oh, I'm home. I'm here to return. It's like, we're here. This is where it's going to go down for for my future and story, I guess. I don't know. But my, I don't know. Are the statues just like an entrance into his land? From what I understand, and I'm sure I 
there's a good chance I might be wrong. But this is like the entrance to Rohan, I think. See, that's what I just get so confused because they also just name drop a lot of places because the other one that they mention or bring up is Imian Mool, which are the mountains. Yeah. And they are, okay, so they are, oh, they are just north of Wetwang. <laughs> Don't laugh. This is serious. <laughs> Very serious. Nindolf. Yeah, so they're just north of Nindolf. I guess this is the point where they, because the, this chapter basically ends with like, it's decision time because we can no longer go, we can no longer go by boat. The group sees that the falls of Raros are up ahead and they get offshore and kind of it, the chapter ends very with a huge tone of uncertainty. Yeah. The 10th day of their journey was over. Wilder land was behind them. They could go no further without choice between the east way and the west. The last stage of the quest was before them. Ooh. Going going back back to the maps, which is great to listen to, but like they are at the point where if they go west, they go to Rohan and Gondor. If they go east, they go to Mordor. So, I mean, I think it's pretty clear they should just go to Mordor because that's where it needs to go. But Boromir has other plans. As we're, so. yeah, I was going to say as evidenced by the title of the next chapter, <laughs> that's not what happens. So. Oh, one more thing here having to do with the maps. I thought it would just be interesting because my map has a little thing. It's like, oh, this far is 200 miles or whatever, you know? So I was like, I wonder how far they've gone. And so I measured it out. And this is just using straight lines from like the Shire to Bree to uh, Rivendell to wherever, each spot that they've gone to. And by my calculations, they have gone about 550 miles. You could say they've walked 500 miles. You could say they're going to walk 500, <laughs> 500 more. more. <laughs> what? You know, just just to be the man. <laughs> but they only it's only 200 miles from where they are currently at to actual Mount Doom. So Ooh. they are... Uh, Closer than when they started, that's for sure. That being said, there's just the pesky question of how do they get into Mordor? Because yeah. we know that you can't simply walk into it. So <laughs> I guess that's that's the question of the ages. It's like, what? how do we get there? One does not simply not die in this story. <laughs> I know. Yeah, because it's not exactly a straight path. To, well, it could be a straight path into Mordor because when you look at the map, Mordor is like surrounded by these mountains that are in a square almost. These mountains completely block Mordor off and... Except for there's this one little passageway that clearly is the only way to easily enter Mordor. But I'm assuming that's not the way that they can go. So it's just going to have to, I don't know, they'll... Eagles! Fly the eagles. Aren't they black huge? Swan. Fly the swans. Legolas can jump on one of those black swans and just use one of his magic arrows and just like shoot it into Mount Doom. Doesn't he I'm honestly expecting at some point for for Legolas to like take out a vial and it has like elf dust in it and he's like <laughs> he's Oh, didn't it. I tell you this is like our elf magic and I've been saving it for <laughs> a very dire circumstances. And here we are. So I'm going to just dust it over our little canoes here and then we're going to fly over the mountains into Mordor. Like yeah. I'm that's I'm sure that's got to happen. It's like some kind of BS where the elf magic Magic is just a plot hole covering yeah. for so much. So I'm 
I'm expecting that again in the future for Legolas to be like, well, haven't I told you? (laughs) Well, that brings us to the end of chapter nine. Mm-hmm. Now all that's left is chapter 10. And and now we'll see what happens. My assumption is that Boromir is going to be the Yoko Ono and they're going to fight and Boromir's going to be like, well, I'm going to Menace Tirith. Y'all have fun. <laughs> see ya. Um, call me when you get there. And uh, when that pesky ring is destroyed, you can come visit me. <laughs> so hope you survive. Bye. We'll see. Oh, Boromir. Yeah, well, that's the other thing is if he's like, I'm going to Minas Tirith, I'm assuming he's going alone. So that does not bode well for him. Just I going feel like he off. thinks that they're just going to be like, okay, Boromir, we'll go do your thing. And then it's back to our thing. It's like, um, it's kind. Of, I guess it's kind of like when you try and fake someone out to be like, okay, I'm leaving now. <laughs> right, like, right. Okay, b- bye, have fun. <laughs> yeah, no, really... I'm leaving. My hand is on the door. Not okay. Have fun. See you later. I'm out the door. <laughs> like call. I'm three miles down the road. <laughs> yeah. You still have time if you want to follow me. If I'll you want to come around. with. <laughs> we have to do that oh, to our man. kids all the time when we're like they never want to go home. They just want to be like wherever mm-hmm. they're at. And we're like, okay, we're leaving. And we have to actually like physically walk out the door before like, ah! <laughs> yeah, my parent, like my mom, especially, she definitely didn't pretend to like she would leave. And then <laughs> I would be sitting there in the ball pit at Chuck E. Cheese, like crying, being like, my mom left me. And then I would walk outside and she would literally be just standing there being like, it's about time. So, well, do you have any stray thoughts or observations? or feelings that we didn't get to touch on. I wouldn't say this is directly related to this chapter, but at the beginning of your episodes, you have this like folky type of music playing. And I'm wondering if it wouldn't be more appropriate to have Lil John's turn down for what as a, as the episode <laughs> starts. <laughs> Seeing as that is your instagram handle twitter handle i'm not yeah, sure it which. is my ins- it is my instagram <laughs> handle yes thank you very much i just want like the little like pan flute to come in and then just hear the turn down for what <laughs> well um tyler's original idea so in this is such a specific reference for people who listen to hamilton I think it's satisfied it's the beginning uh the very beginning of satisfied they're doing the toast at the wedding for eliza and what's his name alexander hamilton <laughs> and I'm, I'm not even like even close to tracking with you because i've never don't listened worry, to any of it. don't worry and like someone finishes giving a toast and then john lawrence goes all right that's what i'm talking about <laughs> and but the way he says talking kind of sounds like tolkien mm, but not really yeah. and tyler like wanted me to use that sound clip <laughs> of like <laughs> all right all right that's what i'm talking about well what would you like to share with our audience where can people find you on the internet i am on on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Star Wars. And it's at Sorta Star Wars because I do have a podcast of my own uh, called Sorta Star Wars Podcast. And we talk about mostly Star Wars, but other stuff too, parenting and stuff like that. And I actually just started a new podcast a couple weeks ago all about Fast and the Furious. Oh, but, cool. Um, that's called Granny Shifting. So you can <laughs> check that one out too. It's where we take the Fast and Furious movies and break and do one minute of movie at a time. So, and talk it's... about it. 
It's so funny you say that because literally just today, I not really, but kind of jokingly pitched. Also, also like I should preface this episode, but I'm prefacing it too lately because the the <laughs> preface goes at the beginning, hence the prefix pre. Yeah. Anyway, I should explain that normally my instinct would be to pair chapter nine with something else because like I said, not that much happened. But Tyler and Ethan and I have been like, wow, this Lord of the Rings train is going a little faster than we thought. Definitely thought it would take a lot longer. And so now we're definitely sticking to just doing one chapter per episode. Anyway, and so like there's just always kind of this looming question of what happens after I finish the books, I finish the movies, all that. And I was saying, I mean, like if we want to continue this trend of I do huge fantasy series that I know nothing about. I could do Star Wars because I have not Mm. seen a single movie. And then I was like, uh, except every episode just covers one minute of each movie. Believe it or not, that podcast does exist already. Yeah, it's called Star Wars Minute. And they watch one minute of Star Wars and talk about it. Well, my problem would be that, like, I'm not a film person, so I would be the absolute worst person to do a minute-by-minute discussion. I would be like, that was a great minute. Okay, thanks for coming on the show. You wouldn't believe how hard it is to stop after watching one minute. You're like, oh, that's a minute. That's it. So many times we're like, watch like a couple seconds pass. We're like, oh, shoot. But yeah, it's hard to just watch one minute of a yeah, movie. I and, just uh, wouldn't be good It's fun. So. Anyway, and then we were also tossing around like dumb names for it too. <laughs> like, I was like, who made Star Wars? And they said, George Lucas. And I said, that's what I'm Lucas, <laughs> Lucas about. about. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then I said, Star Star Wars, but I talk about it in the voice of Wario. So it's Star Wario. <laughs> what? Can you please Just tell me how Wario talks right now? Wario. <laughs> anyway, that's what I'm talking about as a production of Bacon and Eggs. Um, what do I say here? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about is a production of Bacon and Eggs. You can learn more about them by going to baconandeggs.media. The cover art is by Graphite. Support him on Instagram at graphite.vmb. You can find me on Twitter at mcwatt416 and Instagram, like we mentioned, at mcturndownforwatt. You can also find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at tolkienaboutpod. And that's it. Any final parting words? Nope. (laughs) Sounds great. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm.